From Atlanta, the city, not the airport, it's the Whole World Improv Podcast. Brought to you by Whole World Improv Theater, Atlanta's original home of improv. Here's your hosts, artistic director Chip Powell, and a man who will fight you to the, quote, bloody, bloody death to keep pineapple off of pizza. Jeez. John Mahalik. Welcome to the Whole World Podcast. I'm Chip Powell, Artistic Director, coming to you live from our theater here in the heart of Midtown at 1216 Spring Street. I'm very excited about today's episode, and joining me is my co-host, John Mahalik. Hey, thanks, Chip. It's exciting to be here. This is our officially our first episode. Yeah, this is going to be our launch, and... We've got a few more, so uh, each week we'll be hopefully throwing down a new podcast. You know, we love improv, obviously. This is just a great art form, and we hope to bring to people a little more of the insight of what it's about and what it really takes skill-wise to do and how it really benefits people even outside of improv. This is my 26th year at Whole World. In those 26 years, I found that, you know, you learn a lot and it can actually change people's lives. I mean, I've I've known so many people and through the generations, they've all, you know, remained friends with the people that they came through with, which is good because it brings us to our guest today, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, our guests, Jim Isa and Lance Crawl, who are obviously friends. They're clearly cut ups with each other. And they're founding members. And I think that's what's so great about their bond and their relationship. You know, in the very beginning, weren't sure, you know, what this was going to be. And not only have they maintained that friendship, but also they work in the industry doing things. We're all connected to coming from the world. It was great for me. I didn't know a lot about the uh, origin story, but it was great to hear it from a couple founding members. and. I'd like to say we interviewed them, but mostly they talked to us. (laughs) Yeah, we got in there a little bit, but um, hey, there's nothing better than to just roll the episode. So let's, uh, let's go into episode one of the Whole World Podcast. Thank you for joining us. So let's do it. Let's do this. So Lance, introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Lance, and I'm uh, one of the founding members of Whole World Theater. And the fact that it's been 26 years, I don't even know if I was 26 when, were we 26 or were we younger than 26 when we started this company, Jim? Uh, it was 94, and it was January. Hey, this is Jim Isa. I'm also a founding member. It was 94, and it was January of 94. So born in 71, 94, so that's 23. This theater um, is older than we were when we started it. That's yeah. insane. And we were there at the very first classes at the dance studio in Decatur. And it all kind of started with uh, Webster teaching a workshop. We were teaching a work, he was teaching a workshop for an improv group that I was a part of. Said he was thinking about moving to Atlanta and did I know anybody and friends. And, and Lance and I were in theater classes at Georgia State together. So uh, he came and taught a workshop at Georgia State for our class. And that was sort of like us asking our friends of like, hey, who wants to take a class with this dude? And that was the beginning of it. And that's how it all started in January of 94. 
Yeah. And even before that, I wasn't even really wanting to be an actor or thinking about being an actor. I was, you know, I was sort of in this this space in my head at, at Georgia State University where I was kind of sick of, of a marketing major. And I, I had just recently decided that maybe I want to major in film, but I wasn't sure yet. And I took an acting class just to you know, just to take an elective that I knew I would actually want to go to class for because I was like, oh, that sounds fun. I've never done it before, but that sounds fun. And then I met Jim in that class and Jim was kind of like, not kind of, he was like the hot shit actor at, at Georgia State. He was getting cast as a lead and everything, but I didn't know, nor did I care. He approached me one time and said, hey, you want to do a scene, you know, practice a scene with me for for class. And we did Glenn and Gary, Glenn Ross, and we got along like really well. And I was like, this guy is fun. And, you know, and, uh, and and then one night I was sitting there in my my house all like or in my apartment and I heard a knock on my door and and Jim came in with these these two girls and said, hey, you want to go to Backstreets? I was like, what's Backstreets? <laughs> so we went and we had like we spent like five hours that night just having fun and talking about life. And I was like, I need more of this in my life. And then shortly after that, Jim was like, hey, you know, you come, I'm, there's a guy teaching improv. And I was like, what's improv? And so he took me to this, uh, this you know, this little thing that uh, David Webster did at Georgia State. And I was like, wow, this is great. I get to like act and not have to read. And then so we started taking this class together. And uh, I mean, obviously, there's a lot, a lot that happened after that, but that's really how it all started, at least for me. Jim, take us through the process of going from just doing classes and then finding a space and doing shows. Well, we have Lance's family to thank for being our first audience. Um, we uh, so we started doing uh, classes in a dance studio. You know, I think Webster probably found this little tiny basement space underneath a little office and, you know, wanted to sort of create a core group out of the 25 or so that were taking classes. And that little core group, you know, formed this little group that just became very like we just stopped doing everything else and just focused on this. And it was very cool to be a part of it because it was, um, you know, there was no judgment. You're just completely like being in the moment and creating but nobody wanted to see that shit. <laughs> like those first shows were just, you know, nobody wanted to see that crap. And, and to prove the point, the night before the first show or the weekend before the first show, Webster said, you guys are going to go to Little Five Points and you're going to perform in front of all the homeless people hanging out in Little Five Points. And this is 94, September or so of 94. So it was not like the cool little, you know, family place it is now. And literally he said, Friday night and Saturday night, you guys have to go out and perform without me and earn respect of a crowd. And it was horrible. I mean, it was the most embarrassing. I mean, not, I mean, we were just like, whatever, you know, just out there trying to make people laugh and being harassed and yelled at and laughed at. And then that was the first night. And then the second night, something clicked and the crowd got involved and they started performing with us and it became... Like, it was just that moment where all of a sudden you're like, I have the confidence to be on stage. And I swear to God, that that changed for me how I thought our group could survive on stage. And there have been a lot of desperate times on stage where <laughs> nothing good is happening. And if you can survive being on the streets at little five points and, you know, improving in front of people, then there there is a core in you that can survive in front of a bunch of drunk people in the audience. So we didn't have a name for our company. 
for our theater company. And we were pitching around ideas for a long time, you know, for weeks while we were at this dance studio before we moved to the space off Elizabeth Street. I, I don't remember all the names, but I remember one of our founding members named Chuck Draftcorn came up with Yin, Yin Yang Theater. He was, a, I think he was involved in like graphic design or something. So he like, you know, he didn't just pitch the idea, but he also like came up with like, you know, the, the, the logo for it and everything, but it was such a terrible name that we didn't care how much he like, like, like extra homework he did. It's we're like, no, not yin yang. And he just kept pitching yin yang forever. And then finally Webster was like, we'll come up with a name, but for now we'll just call the theater what this long form is, which is called a whole world. And the whole world was basically sort of an amalgamation of different long form ideas that he came up with. That was basically like the beginning of earth you know civilization rising up through the caveman things and like making a scene and singing the song sarayena 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 we were singing that it was so goddamn embarrassing but but we were we were we were dressing caveman outfits and we were just rolling around the ground and doing like a long form improv called the whole world and the second night our show aired or aired you know performed uh was our first sold out night and that's because my extended vietnamese family came and all 14 of them and many of them didn't speak english including my late grandmother and after the show was done, she said, is this why Lance went to college? And um, it was it was horrible. It was embarrassing. And for whatever reason, we just kept at it and we just we just wouldn't stop um, failing uh, every weekend. And I think it was a combination of just you know, enjoying what we did, but it was also, and I think there's a sort of a, a necessary ingredient for any theater company, especially a new one to start. And it's something you can't teach. It's something you can't engineer it. It just has to happen organically. It is the ratio of single people that want to have sex with each other, but are too shy to actually do it right away. So there's sexual tension and that sexual tension is what drives the birth of a theater company. Don't let anyone tell you anything different. That's all yeah. it is. If, if there wasn't that right combination of like guys and girls and guys and guys and girls and girls that kind of were like attracted to each other, we would have left after that very first night. We were like, okay, this is done. Sorry, Uggos, we're out. But it was like, I'll stay if you stay. So yeah, and then and then right after that, Webster was like, okay, you know what? I don't think this whole world thing is working. Let's just do comedy. And we're like, thank God, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. And so we just started doing straight up improv shows and we actually were, you know, really enjoying that. And then our first shows with that were at Eddie's Attic. Uh, Indicator. Again, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a great fit. It was, you know, our, our theater company's history is just full of, of venues where we didn't have to pay money or we got cheap spaces. Like that's that's like why we moved from place to place. It wasn't cause like, oh, it was a great artist. It wasn't strategic. This yeah. place was super cheap. <laughs> we had this little space in off Elizabeth street. And then we were like, we, we should expand right across the parking lot is another space, a really, really big, like this sort of big warehouse. And it was split in two. And in the front space, so there was this other improv group from Florida that started and they were called Dad's Garage. 
and they were just rehearsing and not really performing shows either. And so we were both kind of like these, you know, using these two places as rehearsal spaces. And we're like, oh, cool. We'll be in the back space of, of dad's garages, you know, front space. And so we were rehearsing there. And then finally we were like, hey, we should synergy. We should like join forces. We should uh, work with, you know, go over to the dad's garage guys and say, hey, you guys want to do some shows together? And then they were like, oh, let's think about that. And then about two weeks later, we got an eviction notice from <laughs> the owner of that building who turned out to be either friends or related to or someone at dad's garage so basically dad's garage had us kicked out and they cited something in the in the lease saying like there will be no competing improv group or some, <laughs> some same super specific thing so an enemy was made that day that lasted for eight years we hated dad's garage so much. You know, we were at one point termed the bad boys of Atlanta theater by a, the by a, a newspaper. <laughs> and it was kind of true. We were not like the sweet, nice, you know, artsy theater people. We were aggressively uh, mean to them. Like if they came <laughs> into a bar, they would leave that bar quickly if we were in there because there would be, you know, looks exchanged that gave them the sense of you know, uh, dire consequences to come if they stayed. We it was it was not a happy union. We we love them now, and they're great. And I work with like Tara Oaks, who's one of my favorite people in the world, and Matt Stanton is amazing, and you know all the people at Dad's Garage are great. But back back in the original, you know, uh, OG days, uh, there was it was a it was like a, a blood feud between between our two theaters part of it like we weren't just doing theater like during the day we were doing taekwondo classes together we were like doing all these like you know aggressively bonding things together so that our whole theater company or you know a big part of you know always the basics we never got to a place where we're like oh you're so good you can skip you know warming up or whatever like we were like not because of dad's garage not because of a rumble or anything like that but just we just had that like aggressive energetic tone. yeah in our attitude towards our theater company back in the day we were i mean it's probably not a healthy thing but we were like ride or die I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't just sort of a passing fancy. We were, we were hardcore into our theater company. We were extremely protective of it. We were very proud of it and everything into it. Our soul, our time, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, so no money, but you know, we put a lot into it and it like, you know, the passions ran. I mean, it wasn't like, Hey, I'm going to go do this funny, yeah. you know, comedy thing on the weekend. Like this is my life. This whole yeah. theater is my life. I remember getting cast in a TV movie and there was nothing filming in Atlanta. And I was going to do a scene with Sidney Poitier, right? Like this is 97, you know, like there was no acting. And I was, a, a you know, a scene with Sidney Poitier. And I told Webster that, you know, hey, that he goes, well, you, you're going to miss the show. I'm like, okay, well, this is, you know, this is a made for TV movie. And he was like, all right, well, who do you want to replace you? And I was like, hmm? He's like, tell me who should replace you in the show and I'll cast them. And they'll they'll put they'll do what you would what you would potentially be doing that night. And I was like, well, I don't want anybody doing what I would be doing that night. So I literally called up Shay the night before a TV shoot. <laughs> the night before, this is the most irresponsible actor in Atlanta, and canceled. She had to recast somebody for a shoot the very next day because I didn't want to miss out on Sid know, Stan Lane. Sid Stan Lane making twenty five dollars and a you know an Arden's Gardens juice bottle. 
Like that was our <laughs> reward, you know? And there'd be like a pickle jar in the back. Everybody go eat a pickle or, and, and drink Arden's Gardens and sometimes pizza. But that's how, that was the mentality. And I'm not suggesting that. Yeah, we're not by any means condoning that at all. <laughs> like that's the wrong way to go about it. But that is that was how we were. You know, a lot of that was from Webster. Like he definitely did not want people to, you know, he wanted people to commit and focus to the theater company and to what we were doing. And, you know, to his credit, he really did like, I mean, he captured lightning in a bottle, which is, you know, it's a little bit of luck finding that. But once you have lightning in a bottle, you got to do something with it. And and he was really, you know, he was really good at making people feel like they had to commit to something and that we didn't know what we were doing. Like he would, we would just basically repeat basic improv lessons over and over and over and start, you know, like you're basically a white belt, like the whole time. And, you know, in, in, in some ways it, it was, uh, he created a very disciplined group and in other ways he, you know, created an air of where people couldn't really grow outside of it. But that was, that was kind of the, you know, he did that by uh, by design. He he wanted the theater company to be something really big and special. And as a result, it did become that. That was great. I mean, I had no idea that there were smaller parts. We're at 1216 Spring, like you said, but you guys started and then you went to Elizabeth Street and then sort of the origin of even Village came out of here. It's good because for people to have an understanding of where we came from, it is important. But, you know, back then we weren't, we were just a bunch of actors that were fighting to have our own thing. So it was a, a time where things could, you know, definitely be tense or uh, there was a lot of pressure. But, you know, hearing it from them, it just brings back all the memories of, you know, you relive it all over again. And that's the really great thing is we're not done yet. Where we came from and how we got here tells a lot about not just the theater, but how our process evolved, you know, how the improv involved here, you know, the brand of improv that we do. But we couldn't pack everything that they told us into one episode. So next week, Chip, there's another episode. Jim and Lance are going to join us again next week. So we want to thank everybody. I want to thank you, John. And I want to thank everybody at home for tuning in to our very first episode of the Whole World Podcast. Thank you, Chip. I want to thank everybody at home also. And, you know, this has been great. And I'm looking forward to many more, Chip. I'll see you next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Whole World Improv Podcast. And keep enjoying that new podcast smell. The Whole World Improv Podcast is a production of Whole World Improv Theater in association with Headspace Industries. The executive producer, writer, and generalissimo for life is Chip Powell. The producer, writer, and everything else is John Mahalik. Every, everything else. What, what the hell does that even mean? Original music by The Gentle Readers. Please help support this podcast by liking, subscribing, and leaving us a review. John's therapist said it would be good for him to receive some validation, so don't let him down. Whole World Improv Theater is a 501c3 nonprofit theater. Please support by donating at our website, wholeworldtheater.com. And remember, it's tax deductible, so you're not only supporting the arts, but you're sticking it to the man. Additional writing and voiceover from me, Kate Arlo. 
and never send John to Starbucks. I'm still waiting on my venti mocha latte mochaccino voya rosca mocha chocolata marmalade drink. I don't know. I panic every time I pull up to the window. I don't know about you guys. Have it down by now, but I don't. It's been a long time. It's uh, like one of these days. I'll say it smoothly and it won't stutter. <sighs> I know there's a size up from um, Benti, and it's always a bad idea. Don't do it. You'll be shaking for the next two days. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>